I don't believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. <laughs> Too much. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love. They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy, girl. This is what this show is about, all right? We With keep the it real. real and real talk. The God and God talk. Thank you for joining us. Today is Tuesday, October 23rd, and you're listening to Real Talk on God Talk, a podcast for people who skip church for brunch on Sundays. So before we get started, let's do a little check-in, get settled. How you living, Truth? I'm doing very good, Yaya. Thank you for asking. It's been a busy week, but a good week. I've got a lot of things done, so that's always nice. How about you? How you doing? I hear that. I am food stressed. Mm. (laughs) I go to the supermarket and I am hit with organic this, organic that. I'm trying veganism one week. I'm trying (laughs) this diet, that diet. And I just don't know what to do. And on top of that, I am such a snacker. I'm a little snack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nah, I am such a snacker. And I just... I'm, like, confused when it comes to food, and so that's what I'm going through right now. <laughs> you stress? <laughs> yes, I am stressed. <laughs> Girl, it's okay. He's a snack. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, right, man. right. But, um, yeah, yeah, episode two. Yes. yes. Woo, woo. Yes. Can you believe it? No, I cannot, and the feedback has been so positive for episode one thank you all for listening like truly yes thank you for all of your time and energy into streaming and downloading and answering all of our polls on mm-hmm. instagram <laughs> you know we've been spamming you every second real talk on God talk. For real. so thank you for everyone who's been like sharing and then reposting to to their network of people like it we really have been feeling the love and we just really appreciate all of y'all for having the time to take a listen to a new podcast yes, and then sliding in our dms we see y'all <laughs> just to give us some like really excellent feedback we really appreciate yes. it um you all took us so seriously when we said let's keep the conversation going so we wanted to share some of the responses that we got we had recently put up one of those Instagram question things where we asked you all where and in what circumstances do you feel closest to God either within an actual church structure building or outside of and we just really appreciate your answers so we wanted to share some of them. Kayla Wills said the ocean's roar is where I feel closest to God. Mm. Water is healing, as is God. Yes, that's deep. Right? Thank you. So true. Tack Verbs said, outside in nature, it reminds me of proportion. God is huge. Mm, I'd say that's a word. Right? That's a Just word. the vastness <laughs> of God alone. Yes. Night Haven 7 said, when I see my child sleeping. Oh. I just pictured a little baby. <laughs> That's beautiful. That really is beautiful. Giving me baby fever. <laughs> JK, JK. Girl, we just started this podcast. <laughs> right. I can't offer you maternity leave just yet. <laughs> right. Oh, man. But thank you, everyone, who participated in the question on Instagram. And we also did a poll on the question, is it necessary to attend church regularly for a meaningful relationship with God? 
13% of our followers, listeners said yes, and 87% said no. So the people have spoken. Right. And that's what it is in these streets. Right. <laughs> so thank you again, everybody, for participating in our polls and just the willingness to share. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And as always, keep the conversation going. Okay, let's get things started with a rundown of what to expect on today's episode. This week, we're trying out something new with a segment called God in the World, where we talk about religion and spirituality in the news. This week, we're getting a little more serious in conversation about the deposition released by the Pennsylvania Attorney General, detailing sexual abuse and the cover-up in the Catholic Church. It was over a thousand pages long and so hard to read, but something that's so important to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the common beliefs that we hold about God and how those beliefs can work to foster an environment for child sexual abuse, not only within the Catholic Church, but within other denominations as well. Trigger warning, this is some really heavy stuff, and we understand if you choose to skip this part of the episode as an act of self-care. So we've included episode markers to indicate the start and end times for this segment in case you need to fast forward. After God in the World, we're going to switch it up a bit and explore our real talk question of the week. Where's the virtue in being humble? Often, we hear a lot of talk about the importance of humility and the dangers of pride. But in a society where nice guys often finish last and Donald Trump is our president, how does being humble actually help? And then we'll see what's up in keeping time with Yaya. And last, we'll show a little bit of love with community pastoral care. So with this new segment, God in the World, Truth and I wanted to highlight the ways in which religion, the church, and our understanding of God are often showcased in the headlines. And after such a positive response from the first episode, we really wanted to think about what to discuss. We struggled with whether or not we should even approach a touchy subject like sexual abuse in the church. But after prayer and discernment, God put it in our hearts that it's way too important a topic. And we didn't want to participate in the silence around it. So we're really going to try our best to address it in a way that honors the survivors and victims and goes a little deeper than, damn, that's messed up, you know? But we also understand that this isn't some abstract thing. Child sexual abuse is experienced by real people. So we wanted to give you the opportunity to fast forward at this point. And if this is something you're dealing with, please visit our website where we give resources for places to reach out to for help. Buddhist monk has been arrested in Bodh Gaya for allegedly sexually abusing 15 children at a school meditation center. Bishop Eddie Long, pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist, one of America's most powerful megachurches. I cannot get the sound of his voice out of my head. And I cannot forget the smell of his cologne. In our lawsuit that a female teacher at IIE was told by one of our Jane Doe's about how Salim had sexually abused her. Andy Savage is the name of the pastor in question, and he is currently employed at High Point Church. A direct statement from the megachurch was, on behalf of the elders, pastors, staff, and trustees of High Point, I want to affirm that we are 100% committed to Andy Savage and his continued ministry at High Point Church. Begin with this. The Vatican is saying nothing so far about a bombshell grand jury report on sex abuse by Roman Catholic priests in Pennsylvania. 
The report released yesterday says the Catholic Church used what amounted to a playbook for concealing the truth to hide decades of abuse. The report names 301 predator priests who assaulted more than 1,000 children, most of them boys, over a 70-year span. This is the report nearly 900 pages long. Its findings are drawn from more than half a million pages of documents hidden in secret church archives. Because some records were destroyed and many survivors are still afraid to come forward, the grand jury believes there are actually thousands of victims. Investigators uncovered disturbing allegations, including a seven-year-old girl raped in a hospital after she had her tonsils taken out, a nine-year-old boy whose mouth was rinsed with holy water after being forced to perform oral sex, and five sisters abused by the same priest. How old was the youngest victim? She was 18 months old. Frankly shocking that the priests and the bishops and the monsignors and the cardinals knew about all this and weren't shocked and sought to cover it up. In all the cases mentioned by the grand jury, the statute of limitations has expired for all but two of them. More than 100 of the accused priests are dead. Wow. So this is not the first time and it won't be the last that we hear these horrific stories about abuse of one of society's most vulnerable populations, which is our children at the hands of people in power. But this type of thing really takes on like a different meaning and a more perverse meaning when it comes at the hand of people and the systems which are supposed to be working on behalf of God. We trust our children at the church. If we can't trust our children with being at the church, being in Sunday school, then where does that leave a lot of parents to trust their kids to be? And so the first question we often ask ourselves is, like, how could this happen? But the crazy part is that the Pennsylvania report gives a detailed breakdown of how the Pennsylvania diocese. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, the diocese is the governing body of the Catholic Church in the region. Mm -hmm. How they took, like, specific steps to ensure that there would be no justice for the victims of abuse. And by doing so, that ensured that the abuse would continue. So we want to be clear that this isn't an issue of like individual pedophile priests, but it is a system-wide failure on the part of everybody who knew about it and remained silent. That's good Christians, quote-unquote, church secretaries, and lay people. Right. So um, we're going to post the link to the entire report on our website, but we wanted to really focus in on the section of the report that outlines the step-by-step -step playbook used to cover up the abuse. What they're highlighting in this part of the report is a culture of disregard for the lives of children, silence, denial, mm -hmm. and generally putting the reputation, the image of God's church over the safety and well-being of God's children. So Truth is going to read the, the section of the report that kind of talks about the playbook that was used to cover up. This is from page three. So the first one, it says, make sure to use euphemisms rather than real words to describe the sexual assaults. So never say rape, but instead say inappropriate contact or boundary issues. Second, don't conduct genuine investigations with properly trained personnel. Instead, assign fellow clergy members to ask inadequate questions and then make credibility determinations about the colleagues with whom they live and work. Third, for an appearance of integrity, send the priest for evaluation. But you're sending these priests to be evaluated at church-run psychiatric treatment centers. So all these experts that are there to quote-unquote diagnose are really based on the priest's self-report. 
of what they feel they did or didn't do. Fourth, uh, if a priest does have to be removed, don't say why. But instead, you're going to use the words that he's on sick leave or he's suffering from nervous exhaustion. And the best bet is to say nothing at all. Fifth, uh, even if a priest is raping children, keep providing him housing and living expenses, uh, although he may be using those same resources to facilitate more sexual assaults. Six, if a predator's conduct becomes known to the community, don't remove him from the priesthood to ensure that no more children will be victimized, but instead just transfer him to a new location where nobody knows that he's a child abuser. And above all, the rule was not to tell the police. Keep the matter, quote unquote, in-house. I am just sick. Like, I, you know, I, I shouldn't be surprised. This is not the first time, you know, we've, we've heard yeah. of this. Yeah. But to read the report for myself mm-hmm. and to just see just how intentional. Yeah this type of hurt and then the cover-up was i just i'm sick um and you know as a non-catholic i think it's so easy to point the finger at the catholic church and say them and Mm -hmm. they and that bad thing happening over there but real talk sexual abuse is all over the church all over it's it it's like you know that quiet kept secret and from the evangelical churches sex scandal to the case of bishop eddie long Mm -hmm. predatory church leaders are targeting vulnerable children and it's their parishioners you know like we said the people who consider themselves quote-unquote good christians that are letting it happen and it's only a reflection of what's happening inside of our homes in our communities and the same way the pennsylvania diocese would soften the blow by changing the word rape to quote-unquote inappropriate contact in reports and how they would often continue supporting known abusers and handle things in-house. It's the same exact way in our homes and in our communities. We often know of that uncle who's known for touching kids or, you mm-hmm. know, they're a little funny. Right. Um, yet we never speak openly about it or report it because family business is family business. Right. And that's how, like, the abusers do the action. But it really is the community that makes sure the survivors and the victims like actually receive justice right when we choose to remain silent and we are willing to look away that's what creates the environment where our children are not protected Mm -hmm. that is what leads people to continue these like harmful criminal acts and honestly i believe part of the issue is just bad theology that we accept in the church how many times, yeah, yeah, have you heard children obey your parents? <laughs> Girl, like, you don't even understand. As a kid, every time I do anything, like the slightest infraction, mm-hmm. a thousand times, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. You see, and so then people in power manipulate these scriptures, right, to justify then their harmful acts. So, like, like if kids are just supposed to obey everything an adult says, everything that their parents say, everything that a pastor says, because these scriptures are taken out of context and they're used just like that. But mm-hmm. nobody keeps reading the rest of that. Right. <laughs> like, you know, we always focus on Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. But if you just fast forward a, just little, a little bit, bit. Just a little bit. Keep, keep reading, keep reading. <laughs> to verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate 
your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ding, ding, ding. The Lord. That is the, that is the main thing there. But we stop at the first verse. And so then kids are taught in Sunday school or Catholic school, wherever they are, to just obey parents. And when these scriptures are twisted, then we have the concept of like, I need to show you God's love by touching you inappropriately. But all the child is hearing is that they have to obey this person. And mm-hmm. so they're obeying basically the person who is harming them. You know, and out of pure innocence. It's like you want to please Of course, you, like, you want to please. Every child wants to please their the adult. The adult exactly. Yeah. Everybody wants their parents' approvals, their pastor's approval. You know, it it is a thing. And so these manipulative environments make it easy for adults to be openly more valued than children. Mm-hmm. And so then for the survivors and the victims who do step forward and say, hey, this has happened to me by, you know, the, the priest or the pastor or the youth pastor, lay leader, whatever, then people so quick to rush and be like, well, you got to forgive mm-hmm. because you will not find your healing until you forgive. And it's like, you know what? And some of our listeners may not agree, but I really believe that forgiveness is up to the victim. They cannot be forced to forgive someone who has sexually abused them, any abuser. I feel like that is up to the victim. If it happens to be part of their healing and they reach forgiveness in order to have complete healing, beautiful. If they reach healing and they don't feel they can offer forgiveness to their abuser, I think that's beautiful as well. I don't think anyone can tell someone you have to forgive in order to be completely healed. Many times when people are saying, well, you got to forgive, it's because they don't want to feel uncomfortable listening to what this victim has been going Mm -hmm. through. And sometimes instead of saying forgive, just stay shut. Just zip it. Be quiet. Listen to the person. But in wanting to say, oh, forgive, forgive, it's like, like if forgiveness is like a one size fits all. And that's all. a part of the rhetoric of silence. It's right. like forgive so that you don't have to deal with it so that we don't have to deal with it so right. that we can brush it behind us mm-hmm. because it's forgiven. Mm-hmm. But no, to bring justice yes. to these priests and to these sexual abusers, forgiveness is not a tool to be used to silence. Right. The person who is sexually abused has to know it's not their fault. And it's definitely time that we just throw out that bad theology End the silence about child sexual abuse in the church and honor our children. To keep the conversation going, tell us what you think by following us on Instagram or Twitter at Real Talk on God Talk. That was some heavy stuff indeed, but so important. Um, you can find resources and more information on our website. But let's switch gears a little bit and get into the real talk question of the week. Yeah, yeah. So before we ask the actual question, it's story time. Yay! We love story time. (laughs) (laughs) So I am kind of going through it right now, Mm -hmm. applying to a couple of things. Okay. You know how it is with college applications, Mm -hmm. fellowships, anything. Here comes the personal statement. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So they give you about 500 to 1,000 words to write about yourself. And I write mine, and I think I do a pretty good job. And I take it to a friend for her to read over. Right. So she reads it, and the first thing she says to me is, you're too humble. Oh, 
Isn't yeah. that a good thing, though? Right. <laughs> that, that's what I thought. And she's like, you know, you're too humble. This is your chance. If you're trying to get it, mm-hmm. you need to go ham. Big yourself up. Wow. Okay. And okay. I'm like. I see where she's no. coming from. Right. So, you know, I see where she's coming from. But that is just so, like, counterintuitive for right. me. Like, that's just not me to, yeah, like, yeah. you know, toot toot. <laughs> toot my own horn, you right, know? Right, right. Um, and so I've really been struggling and thinking a lot about, like, what is she, like what does she mean i'm too humble like right. what does it mean to be humble mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of christian and religious rhetoric around humility and right. a lot of times we talk about um you know being meek and being humble and you know stuff like the meek shall inherit the earth right right and it sounds like you got to be okay with getting yours later right. but what if you want yours now <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know we live in this world <laughs> And so it begs the question, is there any virtue in being humble? Like, mm. what's the deal? Right. Um, if you don't toot your own horn, are you just going to get lost in the sauce in this hyper-competitive world? That's crazy because I feel like I've always heard to be humble is like, don't let your left hand know where your right is. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's a Bible verse. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard it in rap and it's always stayed with me. <laughs> Good old scripture. Exactly. (laughs) So when I think about what the Bible says about being humble, it always takes me to that scripture. Pride cometh before the fall. Um, (laughs) You know that? (laughs) That's so ominous. Like, pride cometh before the fall. And so it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's it's just not being overly arrogant Mm. and overly shouting from the mountaintops every good deed that you do. Mm. But it is also like checking your motives as to why you are doing things. Because if you're doing it so people can see you, that's not humble. (laughs) (laughs) That's not humble. You ain't helping people like for real, for real. (laughs) You're just helping people to, to get recognition. And I think that's different. I mean, what for you, like what does humility mean? You know, since she told me that I've, (laughs) I've been You're going confused. back and forth. I am confused. It's like I I had always looked at humility as just a good thing. Um right. I guess it's showing up as yourself. I like that. Like it's not, you know, over inflating yourself or even making yourself super small. It's right. just knowing yourself knowing why you're here what you're doing and presenting yourself as such right and so i think that that like that's kind of how i approach being humble Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times it's the loudest person in the room that gets the attention that gets the grant money (laughs) that gets the job right but i try to approach humility as you know not needing to scream my positive aspects like i don't need to say i'm popping because i'm popping right like you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's popping <laughs> truth will say it for you know me exactly <laughs> right <laughs> but it's like see right now my cheeks are even burning i, I just said i'm popping i'm like oh my goodness pride cometh before the fall <laughs> right? people are gonna hear this but it's like you shouldn't need to push the truth down someone's throat like it just is right 
But on the flip side, it's like we live in a society that doesn't necessarily reward you for not screaming all your positive aspects. It's like you write a resume. Right, right. And you have to write, you know, how you contributed to a workplace. Mm-hmm. There's no room for being humble on a resume. <laughs> you know? For real, you're totally right. Or like on your um LinkedIn profile. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where they want to know like what you did at your job and then like your summary. The summary is basically meant to highlight and for you to stand out, right? So it's like, how are you supposed to do that? And then it also points the question as to how humility is different depending on the body. Mm. So for women of color, white males. Mm. You, like, come on. We, we've said this before. White males roam the universe not needing to be humble at all it is like not a requirement right it's not it's not asked of them and Mm -hmm. so it's not something like it's not pushed on them like as as a woman and as a black woman it's like when i walk into a space i walk into a space sometimes apologizing without even thinking about it like Mm. in classroom settings i'll know i'm right Mm -hmm. about something right you know i'll know that i have the right answer i'm prepared to speak and speak on something but that little like nagging in my head be humble you know you don't want to dominate the conversation so i'm constantly like putting my hand up and putting it down right like that 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 idea of not wanting to like be big you know on one hand it's like society tells you you should shine and shine bright but there's always that voice i think specifically being a black woman in the back of my head that says don't shine too bright you know, or maybe even goes back to like the warning in that verse, pride cometh before the mm-hmm. fall. Like if you shine too bright, you'll get torn down. Right. I feel like this conversation about humility makes me feel like there is a different standard of humility and not even taking it to race, but jobs and, and like gender. So like a pastor, a male pastor, it isn't required of him to be humble as it is of the pastor's wife, mm-hmm. you know, as it is of the the woman uh, choir director or, like, the woman who is singing. Like, it's, it's not required. Or even in the same job as, let's say, a greeter, the woman is the one who has to be more humble and more patient and mm-hmm. more caring and more this and that and the third. But the man does not. So it's, like, is, is there, like, difference in, like, how humility is supposed to act depending on the body i even think about like when you say gender as a woman compliments right yeah it's so hard to take a compliment sometimes because it's like you know somebody would be like oh i love your outfit i don't know i put a lot of time and effort into my outfit Uh and i know i look nice but it feels as if i'm supposed to say oh this little thing (laughs) you know like it goes right (laughs) right it's like that idea of humility i think is pushed on to marginalized people Mm. in a way to make us feel as if we're supposed to be small And it's like, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, I feel (laughs) you. Okay, yeah, no, that's true. I think about the ways that I play into that smallness, that meekness. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think being humble or being small is inherently a bad thing or a negative thing. Mm -hmm. But when it's used to silence or used to lessen, that's when it becomes a problem. Right. 
have you ever felt that like being humble hurt you instead of like helped you? Um, that is a good question. So for myself, no, but there is someone in my life who is so near and dear to me mm-hmm. and she is just too humble in my Aww. opinion. <laughs> like I can think of a million times where the promotion should have been hers. Mm. But Oh yeah, I know people like that. She just wouldn't put herself in the front. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if it's just like her idea of being nice. Right. And like I'm I think on some levels it goes back to the question that I asked you, like, is it a personality trait versus right. is it something you're like socialized into? She's just a naturally humble person. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you're at work when you're in the shark tank, you hey, gotta, you be, gotta a be a shark. shark. You, gotta you be can't the, be a guppy. You gotta be the great whites. <laughs> right. Like, when you're moving with other people who aren't moving that way, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, as a person of God and as a Christian, mm-hmm. I believe that you should have your your ethics right. and your morality intact. Mm-hmm. There should be a line of things that you will do and will not do. However, I also think as women and as people of color, as poor people, Mm -hmm. as a marginalized person, sometimes when you are socialized, that part of you that has been socialized to be humble is socialized to like be accepting of crumbs. Ooh. You know? Like you're you're accepting little crumbs being thrown at you when you're worthy of the most, the best, right. the most luxurious, the biggest promotion, the the best of something. Like, I feel like, you know, God has made all of us worthy of that. And I think that sometimes this person's humility doesn't allow them to see that you are worthy to be in the front and to mm-hmm. be the leader. Like, you you don't always have to be the helper or the follower. Humility, I will... I will always think that it's a good thing. Like, it's it's, yeah. it's a good thing. It's not yeah. a good thing to be arrogant. Right. But sometimes when you're not checking how it's playing out in your life, you know, when you're not being intentionally humble, it can come to bite you in the butt. I think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Has being humble ever, like, paid off for you? Like, so I think... Truth <laughs> is an incredibly humble person. Aww, like you see, I can't assume compliments. <laughs> I got all red. <laughs> Good thing we ain't on she camera. Did, she did. <laughs> it's cute. Um, no, but I think you're an incredibly humble person. Um, and I think, especially as an artist, as a visual artist, you know, you're in a competitive field. Has being humble ever like helped you? I think the only reason I've been able to get as far as I've gotten is because I've stayed humble mm-hmm. and. There was a period of my life where I wasn't as humble as I am today. But God. <laughs> but God <laughs> but changes God. you. <laughs> but God will humble you. Right. And and I think it, it took that for me because I found value in my relationship with God instead of in other things. And so it makes it easier for me to, when I create, that I'm not looking for the approval of anyone mm. except of God. And I think that helps in how I carry myself around for those who know me. I really will say what's on my mind and whoever wants to hear it can hear it. And if you don't, you can walk away. It's fine by me. Like, you know, that, that, it don't bother life. me. You know? <laughs> so I feel like it hasn't hurt me being humble, but it definitely has helped me. I know for a fact I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't. I don't see myself having wonderful friendships and like sister bonds, like with you, yeah, yeah. Like, if I wasn't, mm-hmm. like it would be s- such a turn off. Like, and then I think of like 
you know, this podcast wouldn't have happened because I wouldn't have been humble enough to be like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. And like, you're the only person I'm thinking to do this with because you are the bomb.com, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and knowing when to ask for help. Right. You know, that yeah. that's the important piece, I think. And although it could be hard, especially when you're used to just doing things by yourself, asking for help is a very humble gesture. You know, it's so funny. So you made me think of humble, not necessarily as a quality or like a trait, but more of like being humbled by God. Mm, And girl, girl. let me tell you, God will humble you. Yes. And so I spent my entire like K through 12 life wanting to move out of my house and be an adult like okay. i was one of those kids like uh i hate school i'm so over this yeah. i want to you know live my own life yeah. pay my own bills mm-hmm. you know do the thing be grown right mm-hmm. and so I, when i moved out at the age of like let's say what well, was like 17 18 i did not look back gotcha. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but in my time in seminary yeah God has truly humbled me. (laughs) God has humbled me. You know, I moved out here. And when you talk about knowing when to ask for help, Mm -hmm. you know, moving out on my own was something I was very proud of. Yeah. Not living under my parents' roof or, you know, living under my family's roof was something I was really proud of. Yeah. But in this time, not working, you know, being away from my partner for extended periods of time, I really have had to rely on the kindness of my family, which is one thing, you right. know, but I've truly had to rely on the kindness of strangers or people who were strangers that became friends. Right. Like, right. you know, when I was running around our second year <laughs> yeah. of school, I was like, sleeping in the union area yeah, yeah. you know people would say to me are you okay do you do you want to like you know just sleep in my room i was commuting yeah. um sleep in my room for like a couple of hours get some rest and then go back down and at first i would always say no like oh you know no thank you right like kind of just having that pride of like i don't want to ask people for help i'm not just gonna be i'm a grown woman right, I'm not just gonna right. be sleeping in somebody's room but i felt like god humbled me mm. and said I'm offering you, like, people are reaching out to you yeah. and offering you kindness. How can you be too proud to take that kindness? And it was when I started saying, yes, thank you. I will, you know, close my eyes for a couple of minutes in the right. room and go back downstairs. Um, somebody will offer a cup of coffee or something. I say, yes, thank you. Like, that ability to say, yes, thank you, I do need the help, or yes, please, I do want your company. Right. That has opened up so many doors for me. And, like, our conversation right now is kind of, like, changing my way of thinking about humility. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. just knowing your place in the world, knowing, you know, I'm not too good. I'm right. not. I don't have it all together mm-hmm. necessarily. Right. And yeah, yeah, that's something. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty packed question that you guys <laughs> like. As we can tell, and and it's true in having this conversation, it's not just a yes or a no. Right, right. So. I think that one of the coolest concepts of humility that I've heard recently. So I'm taking a class um, at a Jewish institution and uh, my professor who's a rabbi said something really cool. She talked about the Jewish idea of humility, which is not really being low or meek kind of in the Christian context that we often talk about it within. Um, But it's more about having an accurate assessment of yourself. 
It's about seeing truly what is and acting according. And so, you know, you're not measuring yourself too great and overinflating your own abilities or too low and underestimating your own abilities. It's about saying, who am I? What do I have to bring to the table? And what do I deserve? And in a human context, you know, we're all children of God and worthy of dignity. And so if you can go out into the world with that kind of at your base, I'm worthy of dignity. Absolutely. You're not going to overinflate yourself and disregard other people, but you're not going to underestimate yourself. You're going to know your worth. Right. And so I think I really appreciate the Jewish idea of humility as something to think on. Okay, beautiful people, today is October 23rd, and you are listening to Keeping Time with Yaya. Um, it is officially United Nations Day. J-A-M, Jamaica. Nah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Big up your flag or whatever. Um, it's also getting towards the end of October, and Halloween is on the horizon. I hope everyone's getting their costumes ready, because I am... You know your girl loves her some Halloween. For those of you familiar with the pagan roots of All Hallows' Eve, get ready as the veil between the spirit world and our world is said to be at its thinnest on October 31st. Lastly, if you've been scrolling Insta and you've seen a lot of people posting purple, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you or anyone you know is a victim or survivor, you can visit our website for resources on how to help. I wanted to highlight an amazing initiative from a dear friend, Dejanae Jones, who sent us this message. So um, I'm just going to read it directly from her. Hey, wonderful people. Six years ago, my mom's life was taken in a murder-suicide that stemmed from domestic violence. She was 38 years old and had a bright future ahead of her. Our mom loved to give back and worked diligently to be able to do so. Education was something that she never took for granted and held near and dear to her heart. We know the hardships of not knowing how we would be able to pay for school, not knowing how we would make it through another day, and not knowing how to ask for support. With that being said, through the month of October, we will be collecting articles of clothing, linens, and feminine products in New York City and Long Island, which will be donated to a domestic violence shelter. Pickups and drop-offs can be scheduled by emailing Dejanae Jones, that's D-A-J-A-H-N-A-E-J-O-N-E-S, at gmail.com, or messaging Naturally Dej, N-A-T-U-R-A-L-L-Y-D-A-J, on Instagram or Twitter by October 31st. We are also fundraising for the Tracy's Legacy Scholarship, which will be given to two resilient high school students who have overcome adversity. Please support us in our efforts by donating gofundme.com slash Tracy's Legacy. If you're outside of the area or unable to donate monetarily, please support us by spreading the message. Love and light to you all. Wow, what a powerful initiative from my girl D. Um, she is just such a strong, resilient woman. Um, blessings out to her and her family and to all the survivors of domestic violence out there. Yeah, 
it's powerful um if you are looking to donate i hope that you do you can look for information further information on our website um we'll also be posting on instagram twitter and facebook so really look out for that and do support finally it's the moon reading last time we talked about the new moon and setting intentions new beginnings and all that stuff well we have come full circle to the full moon ha 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 but <laughs> i'm such a corn you get it moon circle yeah so october 24th is the full moon it's a good time to take note of all that has come to fruition on our lives and give thanks and how we've moved forward even in the small ways been going to the gym and you can run for 1.3 miles instead of just one give thanks got that promotion you've been eyeing give thanks finish that project or paper that you've been putting off forever give thanks it's all in the cycle of things thank you yaya for all that information and the moon reading uh, now let's move on to community pastoral care so we all got issues right <laughs> <laughs> so one of our listeners sent us this Dear Real Talk on God Talk peeps, on this episode of Trump Ruins Everything, <laughs> people say politics isn't the most important thing in life, but it's starting to tear my family apart. Lately, my father and I have been fighting over our political views. It's like, I just don't get it. How can you not only be a black Trump supporter? What? Wow, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but be willing to argue with me so, like, meanly about it. And on top of that, I'm kind of like, who are you? You raised me to be the person I am with the values that I hold. How can we possibly disagree on such basic things? Wow, that's that's a hard question. Right. <laughs> and it's a heavy question. But I feel like there's two different approaches that you can take to to these type of situations, which are so much more prevalent considering our like political climate one of the approaches is knowing where the importance is for you politicians don't care about us <laughs> they don't care about our names they don't care about what we're doing and honestly nothing new is actually being done if we look at our history nothing new it's just that 45 is not one to shy away from saying it or from tweeting it as to, I feel other presidents have just done it in silence mm. and behind the veil. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that these politicians don't care about us, it's not worth it putting our families on the line to be divided when I feel like that's just a win for the other side. Just think about it in terms that if the person in your family that you're arguing with, God forbid something happens and like they pass away, well, do you want really that 45 is basically the reason y'all not talking? Right. Like, no, not at all. And I think the other good approach to have within working in these dynamics is to know when to step in and when to step out. Just don't put yourself into every argument for your own self-care. Know when you just have to let it go. You just have to ignore it. You have to change the conversation. Or just, we are not going there today. Like, this is not what this family dinner is for. Like, I just came here to eat some good food and mm. spend time with y'all and, and no politics. <clears throat> because it, it will ruin stuff, especially if you have different views. Knowing when to speak up, when to show your voice and do it in a way that can challenge people to think. And many times, 
People will not be challenged to think if we're shouting in their face, if we're being like aggressive with them. It's just it's not gonna work. So I think just being strategic and using like different approaches can help in like restoring family dynamic. And also it's just knowing that sometimes we will have to agree to disagree. And sorry, not sorry, this is just a topic I will not go with you. Mm-hmm. And I think for your own self-care, that needs to be one of the choices that people give themselves. Well, truth. Thank you for that wisdom. Definitely. I don't even have anything to add. So one of those tough topics that, you know, especially when dealing with family, you, it sounds like you love your dad and you've made a decision that he is going to be a part of my life. And so uh, Truth said something so um, so profound and so wise earlier. Kind of, if it comes to a place where you are standing up for your identity, for how you experience this world, meaning, you know, your race, religion, sexuality, ability or disability, you know, speak up. You have a right to stand for truth. Um, But after you say that, you know, speak for your experience, you can leave it there. You know, you can leave it to God. And so, uh, yeah, that's truth definitely kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. So thank you. If you are going through anything, like we said earlier, we've all got issues. <laughs> um, feel free to hit us up on realtalkongodtalk.com. Fill out the form. Let us know what's going on with you. Or DM us at realtalkongodtalk on Instagram. Or realtalkongodt1 on Twitter. Uh, it'll be completely anonymous for a chance to be featured on our show. Thank you for spending time with us here at Real Talk on God Talk, a podcast for people who skip church for brunch on Sundays. To keep the conversation going, tell us what you think by following us on Instagram or Twitter at Real Talk on God Talk. Go ahead and give us five stars on iTunes. Doing this ensures that we can come back for more fire conversations about God and spirituality in real life. Catch you on the next one. Peace. I don't believe in God. I know God. I love me some Jesus. Too much. That's crazy. <laughs> That's on the next episode. It's the moon reading. I rock with you, Yaya. It's all love. They better listen to this advice. We good. You crazy girl. This is what this show is about, alright? We with keep the it real. real and real talk. The God in God talk. And that's right.